Let's go in-depth on Hawkeye Sports with the Des Moines Register. It's time for Hawk Central, powered by G-Mig's 5th Street Pub on 1460 KXNO. Hawk Central off and running here on a Wednesday night. Kind of a different sound here on Wednesday. We are live at El Bait Shop in downtown Des Moines. And uh, glad that you were able to join us. I hope that you enjoyed today's program. Should be a fun conversation here. We've got a lot of uh, good news for the Hawkeyes to kind of talk about. And we'll get to some injury updates a little bit later in the program. Also, Chad Leistico is with me down here in downtown Des Moines. How you doing, buddy? Real good. I wish I, I don't have a beer in my hand. I'm a water. You, are you um, under the weather? Is something a little happening? Bit, okay, yeah. that's all right. Uh, yeah. But it looks great. It looks great back there. A lot of, a lot of taps. It's a very, one, very wonderful place. One of my favorites, <laughs> Chad. Mark Emmert, Chad, too bad you can't join us down here. How are you, buddy? I know. I've, I've been there many times. I miss that place. It's a wonderful spot, man. That's right. Let's. I want to dive into this, though. We don't have a lot of time. Coach Reese Morgan is going to be joining us towards the end of the program. We're hoping to hook up with him around 645, and we've got a lot of stuff that we want to get through here uh, in the meantime. So let's dive into this. Mark, I'd like to start with that Hawkeye defense I think that was kind of the storyline of the game from the Hawkeyes' standpoint, well, because there wasn't a lot of offense to, to be in storylines. What, what did the Hawkeyes do to limit David Montgomery the way they did? Well, they, they talked about it all week, and that was you know gang tackling. I mean, getting all 11 guys to the ball. They were great at that. They uh, they tackled very well. And I think uh, you know they, controlling the line of scrimmage really helped. That defensive, uh, it all started up front. That defensive line was really, really good. Chad, it seemed like, and I want to get to that that first drive a little bit also, yeah. when they really opened things up over the middle, what we were all concerned about. But that linebacker switch that they made, Chris has kind of talked about this on Fanatics. After that first drive, they spread things out, which seemed like that would have opened things up in the middle. And that front four was just men versus boys down there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that was the difference in the game. Um, the other thing I'd like to point out on the stopping Montgomery, when I rewatched the game, uh, the run support that Iowa got from its cornerbacks um, was tremendous, and uh, from Michael O.J. Mudia and Matt Hankins. Um, in fact, if you want to go down the down the road of that first drive, Matt Hankins essentially stopped a touchdown twice on that drive. Uh, the, the, the big tight end that they threw to on first and goal from the or uh, there was a play that went down to the two that he made that tackle. Yeah. Then they threw a flare pass to the tight end. Hankins made that tackle. I just thought, I, I talked to O.J. Moody a little bit this week about um, how much they focus on the run, and I said, well, how do you possibly focus on the run when you're guarding Hakeem Butler on the edge? Like, how can you possibly do both things? And he said, well, that comes from studying film, knowing tendencies, all that stuff. So when they see certain stuff, when they saw certain things, he knew to kind of cheat toward the run. Hmm. And, and you saw those cornerbacks arrive very early and make early hits on Montgomery. He was hit um, a lot of times, once or twice, and then and by the end of the game, he was going down on first hit. So, uh, really, team effort, like Mark said. I was really impressed with the way Ojemudi and Hankins played. I was also impressed with the way Jamon Colbert played yeah. uh, at uh, at wide linebacker. Right, he was the yeah, weak side. The yeah. weak side. I didn't really so, answer that, did I? But no, no, no. That's <laughs> fine. And so, but Mark, which were you more impressed with, cornerback play or linebacker play on Saturday? Which should I walk away more impressed with? Uh, cornerback. Okay. I mean, Chad's right. Uh, Hank has had five solo tackles in the team. Really, for cornerback, and they also shut down the passing game. Yeah, and Chad, you. I mean, that the that well, linebackers or cornerbacks. Well, I mean, I would say both, honestly. I mean, I, I was really impressed with how uh, Jimon Colbert um, played in his first game. 
it looked like a perfect matchup to me. He's a converted safety against this more spread out team. He's uh, six foot one, 230 pounds. Really had like more of that defensive back type instincts, and so. But the the thing I really noticed about him was he just had such command of the field out there for first time he's playing. I mean, this is a redshirt freshman. Uh, you know, obviously on the flip side, Iowa State had a true freshman. Mike Rose played really well. Really fantastic game too. So it's not impossible. But uh, that was very impressive, so I'd like to see what he does this week against Northern Iowa. But, I mean, I guess I would go linebackers almost just because I remember talking all last week on the show, like, this is the matchup Iowa has a huge disadvantage on. And, and essentially, you know, they held up, didn't allow a touchdown. Is there something you've seen, uh, Chad, that why couldn't Iowa State throw the ball over the middle of the field? That's been the question yeah. we've all been asking. Did you that see something as you rewatched it? That's a good question. Um, Iowa State, I think, uh, went away from that uh, for starters. Um, but Iowa did. Uh, Iowa disguised its coverages pretty well. There was one play in particular in the first quarter when uh, it was actually A.J. Epinesa's first snap of the game. He was lined up at right end, and he actually dropped into coverage on Montgomery as Nick Neiman blitzed from the opposite side and, and converted the sack. They were looking right at Montgomery for that little, yeah. you know, slant over the middle and Epinesa was covering him and and they so they just did little things like that to kind of take those things away Mark was there anything that jumped out to you as to why Iowa was able to negate that advantage we all saw yeah I mean I think uh, Chad's right there with with uh, some of the schemes they did but I also think uh, I think you just mentioned it I, it felt like Iowa State kind of went away from that original game plan as the game went on like the, what worked on the first drive I didn't see them trying that a lot uh, later on I wonder if maybe there's getting too much pressure on the uh, quarterback. They didn't have time, but uh, it did feel like their uh, their philosophy shifted a little bit uh, during that game. Let's, go ahead. Have- I, I would just say the first two games, um, Iowa's opponents, I feel like, have been helping Iowa with, it, with their play calling. Northern Illinois, I, th- I thought, abandoned the run way too early. And you look at Iowa State, David Montgomery had five touches in the second half. I mean, it was a 3-3 game at halftime. I mean, to me, that's just craziness. Wow. Uh, and uh, obviously, Iowa did a great job taking those guys away. That was 100% their top priority. So maybe it just was, you know, I don't know. I, I, was, I, mean, I don't know how, what the Iowa State perspective is on that, but I just thought both games, Iowa's opponent, opponent. play caller, did exactly what Iowa wanted it to do, which is throw getting second and third and long and let Iowa's defensive line take over. So it'll be interesting to see how Iowa's opponents maybe adjust to that as they as they recognize those tendencies on film, as I'm sure they will. We'll look forward as we kind of move through the show again. Uh, offensive line coach Reese Morgan going to be joining us here in about a half hour or so. So we'll save some of that offensive line uh, conversation for him because another group that played fantastic. The offensive line did look good. That defensive front from Iowa State is really good. But I liked the way that that line played. Chad, am I, am I missing something there? I, well, of course, Morgan has coached O-line, but he is the D-line coach. Yeah, I'm sorry, yeah, yeah D-line, yeah. But right. still, he he recruited a lot of those guys, and and yeah, I thought the uh, I thought the O-line did okay. I mean, when I rewatched it, I mean, they didn't really blow the socks off the running game. I mean, I think the longest I know the longest run was 11 yards for Iowa. That's not that great, but they did top 100, and uh, I think most importantly, Nate Stanley was not sacked, right? Or was he sacked once? No, he wasn't sacked. So, no. um, you know, that's pretty good. Mark, how did you feel about offensive line play? Wirfs and Jackson get to get to join the squad again. There were a couple of highlights of Tristan Wirfs throwing guys around downfield. Yeah. Did the offensive line overall uh, play well, you feel? 
Yeah, I thought they got better as the game went on. I mean, the run game still not there. And Wirth said that that was that was kind of the weakness. They felt their pass protection was much better than their run blocking. And I think there's no question about that. But you know, it was their first game back, and he he mentioned that uh, he was kind of feeling a little winded at times. I mean, they, they not playing in that first game, uh, it was a little bit of a rough week in terms of just getting back into conditioning for this game. So they were not maybe at their best, especially early. But uh, I felt like they they kind of took over as that game went on. Yeah, I wonder if uh, we talked about. Remember how much we debated, and you guys debated all last week. Would that first game, how, who would it help more? And I kept saying, I think it's going to help Iowa more. And I think 100% it did. I mean, you look at, um, I'm not saying I'm right, but, you know, I was kind of right. You were right. Yeah, we, all, we were right. <laughs> uh, but, in the, I mean, in the fourth quarter, you think that's when that's going to hit you. And Iowa absolutely dominated the fourth quarter and probably really the last quarter and a half to be honest so i was given a little bit of credit on twitter on saturday they thought i strong-armed you into changing your pick to iowa <laughs> uh, I, I won't tell them what happened behind scenes <laughs> but uh well, you want to want to talk about some of the bigger plays and again we'll talk about d-line a lot more with reese morgan here in about a half hour or so you want to talk yeah. about some of those big plays though uh, well Chad? i know it starts with with that d-line i mean i think when you when you talk about the Seahawk game, I think we're going to look back on this game as a really solid win, 13-3. to I still think Iowa State's a really good team. I was really impressed with their defense. I mean, there was not much room for Iowa to do much out there uh, on offense. And they had good corners, good defensive line. They just, they're very creative that with the pressure. was yeah. very impressive. Um, so I kind of picked out a couple things you won't remember as much. I mean, you're going to remember the Brandon Smith long pass, probably. You're going to remember Epinesa's sacks, probably. Um, but I thought one of the game changers actually was uh, first quarter, Iowa State's already up 3 nothing. Uh, Iowa's already punted the ball again, 3 and out, and then Iowa State scores. Iowa punts again, and Iowa State uh, comes out, and second quarter actually, Matt Nelson kind of spins through, gets that sack yeah. on Kemp. I thought that was a changing moment just because Kemp really got hit hard on that play, yep. and I felt like the Matt was – I just sensed a, sh- a shift in. Oh boy, you know, we got to protect this guy, and I don't think we can protect this guy because they really couldn't from that point on. Mark, I've tried to find the right words, and I and Chad alludes to it there a little bit. Did did Kyle Kemp get a little timid after he got hit a couple times? I don't know if gun shy is the right word. He just seemed like he wasn't as comfortable back there. I mean, that's obvious after Nelson ran through him. I mean, that, that always happens, I think, to quarterbacks, especially when they get pressure up the middle. They don't like that right in his face. But he's, yeah. He had no chance on that play, hmm. and he got he did. He got hit really hard, and uh, and they were moving the ball a little bit there because I yeah. think the drive where they started off with the first and 20 and picked up a first down. So they picked up about 20 yards or so, weren't they out by near, near midfield? Yeah. And uh, I thought, that's right, that, that was a big, potentially game-changing play. Yeah, I was, I was kind of wrong on the score uh, point. It was actually 3-3 at that point. But, yeah, you're right. Iowa State had just connected for 15 yards, 12 yards on pass plays. So they were moving toward the end of that first half, and they were going to get the ball second half. So that's why I felt like that one really kind of – it got Iowa to halftime, which after that point um, the Hawkeyes kind of took control. The 45-yard pass to Amir Smith-Marset in the third quarter, that's another one that you you pointed out. Yeah, and that's obviously – that was obviously Iowa's longest play of the day, but um, I think what it really did was open up the – open up everything offensively. Really, Iowa's total offense, don't you think, Mark, kind of changed after that? Yeah. And you talked to Brandon yeah. Smith afterwards about... And that's exactly what he said, yep. He thought that that fourth-quarter drive they had actually began with that 45-yard pass in the third quarter because that, that seemed to change everything defensively that they were seeing. So I thought that was an interesting observation. 
We've talked about that a lot, Chad, and we've had some listeners on Monday call in and ask Sage and Chuck about game plan and wanting to see that happen earlier in the game. That, and, and pointing out that simply by trying a pass like that, yeah. you're going to change the defense that you're going to see. Yeah, that's why I, I, that's why I put that on here. Um, and before that pass, Stanley was 7 for 14 for 29 yards. After including that pass, he was 9 of 14 for 137. So wow. you can see what changed there. And my, my opinion on this is I think both teams were afraid to make that colossal mistake in the game, and that's why neither team was taking really deep shots. Now, Iowa State had trouble getting time to throw, but Iowa seemed really reluctant to try to go it deep. It did seem like one of those classic first-person-to-make-a-mistake loses. Yeah. and I thought that the whole time. Even, mm-hmm. you know, we kept thinking, thinking to ourselves, every time they're running a running play in your own territory, it's like if you fumble it, this game could be over. Well, and then, I mean, Mark, both times that Iowa was benefit of a, of, of a shanked punt, I thought that's what yeah. the Hawkeyes needed. That's the yeah. one thing that's going to switch this game, and neither one of them seemed to. No, they didn't do anything with that. That was probably the distinguishing thing for their offense. I mean, they just, I think that one one drive that gained one yard with the field goal, and of course missed the field goal. And yeah. Yeah, they, didn't, uh, they did not look like they were ready to capitalize, and, and they're going to need to be. Chad, you had another one on here. Yeah, one more. more. Yeah, before that that light drive, um, this is in the third quarter. Iowa's up 6-3. Iowa State driving again. I don't know if – I mean, this is kind of an afterthought play, but um, Cyclones had fourth and one from Iowa's 43. It was only the second play they had run in Iowa territory in the second half, and it would be the last, actually. And uh, Kemp tries to throw the butler, and uh, we talk about all those tall – Hawkeye defensive lineman batting down passes, but the shortest one got this one. Parker Hesse um, got his hand on that. I mean, that was a huge play. I think you look back in this game and think, oh, Iowa dominated 13-3, but Iowa State had so many. I mean, Iowa was on the ropes, I think, a lot of different yeah. times, and the defense constantly came through. Yeah, I, 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 I think that's a much better way to say it than Iowa dominated this game. I agree. By yeah. yeah, that's huge. a huge play on that fourth and one by Parker Hesse. Mark, I, I, this is something I... Did you enjoy the game? Did you think it was a good game on Saturday? Uh, I always enjoy covering games, but it's always fun. But no, I didn't. <laughs> that wasn't the question. Particularly, uh, I mean, it was entertaining. If that's your question, I mean, some of the games are, I think, but this one just felt kind of. I think I think right. Every the offense was just so cautious. Um, yeah, it wasn't. I don't know. It wasn't a great game. Not hmm. really not compared to last year. Yeah, I don't think I'd call it a great game, but I did enjoy it. I was I was shocked. There are a lot of people, Mark, that a lot of people that fit into you. And I, but again, I was enjoying the game. I mean, I with even when the Hawks are up ten, two and a half minutes left, they punt to Iowa State. I'm nervous about that game for, at that point. And I felt like that was that to me is part of if it's a good game or not. Not just close. I felt like Iowa State really had a chance late in that game to to come back and and make something of it. But I'm interested that that. It's intriguing to me that that's your response because more people agree with you. And the overwhelming majority of people calling in to sound off thought it was a boring game. But they did love the Iowa chant, Chad. (laughs) I guess that's what people remember from it. But uh, I'm with you, Ross. I actually enjoyed the game. I like good defense. And I know it's not going to be to this level, so I'm not making a direct comparison. But it reminded me a lot of the Big Ten championship game where it was just slugfest, slugfest football. You know, forcing it was physical. Both teams were very physical um, in this game too, and uh, I just I kind of enjoy that chess match, trying to you know get the other guy to make the mistake and you know course them into what you want to do. I just thought it was a lot of strategic uh, planning and physical play, old school football. I enjoyed it personally. Mark, are you worried about this offense? 
after two games? Well, I mean, I, I think fans have reason to be worried, yeah, somewhat. I mean, it hasn't really looked good except for that one drive. Um, they're, they're still not getting wide receivers involved. The running game isn't there. Um, they're not passing the ball to running backs at all, which I thought they might try. So uh, Noah Fant has not had a big impact yet. Uh, Nate Stanley does not look good. doesn't look like he's progressed from last year. So, yeah, I think there's there's reason to be concerned if you're a Hawkins fan. If this thing uh, needs to turn around within two weeks for sure because they're not going to beat Wisconsin with this offense. Chad, where's your concern and all that? I mean, yeah, there's concern, but I still I remain optimistic um, with this offense just because um, I think they've got the right guys out there. Uh, it's just, you know, they're young. I mean, I, it's it's tough for Iowa's offenses to be cl- – usually those offenses at Iowa, it, it's fair to complain about it, but it just ne- they rarely are clicking in September, just rarely are. And um, you can probably – you know, some of those Stansy teams, they probably were – I mean, even, I guess, Bethard's senior year, they started pretty good. But uh, yep. typically, Iowa in September, yeah, last year, uh, you know, it was kind of up and down, I would say. But uh, uh, usually takes a while. I think they really need Brandon Smith, to me, to step up in a big way because he, he's clearly the guy that they want to emerge. <laughs> they know he can. They've seen it in practice. It's going to be interesting to see how he takes that big 30-yard catch, which was, you know, the biggest offensive play of the game, and turn that maybe into something where he's a consistent threat because he he seemed like he needed confidence to me. It seems like he they need like a Riley McCarron. They need like almost like an underneath guy that's a four or five-yard route guy to help kind of open those things up. It's been a disappointing lack of production, and even with mm-hmm. our expectations being low, Mark. When we talked to some of these position coaches and we talked to Coach Brian Ferentz over the offseason, there seemed to be a focus on trying to get more production out of this wide receiver group, and I've seen no real effort in that in the game plan. No, not really. I mean, uh, Brian Ferentz talked about wanting to attack the perimeter um, of defenses, which sounds great, but you're right. They haven't really tried that much, and uh, I assume that they will going forward, especially after that. 45-yard pass to Smith-Marset, but that was his only catch of the day, and now he's also an injury question for this week. So, you know, who's the, who's the next guy that can really really challenge a team downfield? I don't know. Uh, I thought Fant might be that guy. We haven't really seen that yet. So, uh, unless they're really holding back everything for the Wisconsin game, I think there's some questions here. We'll talk about what we think we'll see on Saturday with you and I. We'll talk about some of those injuries and where we are with Amir Smith-Marset. We also have Ivory Kelly-Martin. Uh, who was sat out last game, probably will be sitting out against you and I. We'll see what Mark and Chad have to say about that as we roll along with Hawk Central here on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Everything you need to know about the Hawkeyes, it's Hawk Central with the Des Moines Register, powered by G-Mig's Fifth Street Pub on 1460 KXNO. Welcome back to Hawk Central here on 1460 KXNO. Got to spend Monday afternoon for the show down at G-Mig's. That was awesome. Man, the Build-A-Burger on Monday nights is fantastic. I'd encourage everybody to get down there. Get there early because it does fill up. We signed off about 6.30, and when Chris and I left, there were people waiting for our table. But uh, one of the best burgers in town. And we appreciate them sponsoring Hawk Central. All right, Mark, you did a pretty cool story that you're working on for Saturday about this uh, Iowa UNI history. What can you what can you kind of share with us from that? Well, I'm actually just reviewing the uh, specifically the 2009 game, which I was actually at and helped cover for the Register. Still, the uh, maybe the most bizarre football game I've ever seen. Certainly, the most bizarre ending to a football game. I think you all remember that one with the two block field goals in the final seven seconds. So I'm back this week and talk to. Some guys on both teams that were playing in that game, just of what what their memories are, you know, nine years later after that game, 
And that was a big turning point for Iowa that season because if they had lost that game, even Broderick Benz told me yesterday, that would not have been a magical season for that 2009 team without winning that first game because that team ended up going to the Orange Bowl, as you remember. And he felt that first game was so crucial, just looking back at it. So certainly the, the most memorable Iowa-UNI game probably ever. And, uh, and a lot of those guys still live in Iowa, so I'm, I'm talking to all of them as many as I can anyway. I have a fun story about that game, Chad. Do you remember where you were when uh, Iowa blocked two field goals? Yeah. Where were you? I was uh, at a... I was uh, visiting a friend in North Carolina, actually. We were at a sports bar watching it because this is when I lived out east. Um, and I just remember we could it would like the TVs were like so far off in the corner because it was like you want the U- Iowa you yeah, right. here in, like, in North Carolina, Raleigh, yeah, Raleigh, North Carolina. <laughs> so we got it on like one. You know, this is like kind of early in BTN too. So it was like you know, well, I don't even know if we have BTN. I was like, yeah, I think it's this anyway. So I could only see it like in the distance. So it's just kind of I, that's what I remember. So I do remember. it. I think most people probably do. Yeah, I re- and I, it was one of the few games because that was when I was a season ticket holder. And one of my buddies, one of my great friends, Ryan Carl, said he went to Iowa. He was grew up a Hawkeye fan, had never missed a home game in like you know 25 years. But there was a there was an outdoor concert. There was a big festival happening in Kansas City that weekend. Weezer was playing. That's one of our favorite bands. And a group of us convinced Ryan that, dude, they're going to roll you and I. It's okay to miss this football game. Go down to the concert with us. He he still puts bruises on me whenever the you and I game gets brought up. So, yeah, that's still friends. That, you know, we're still friends. He'll be fishing with me here in a couple weeks up in Canada. Yeah, he's still one of my best oh, friends. Big of him because that's good most of them anymore. Yeah, right. And he's one of those guys, Mark. Like, you know, his dad once told his daughter, listen, I'll pay for your wedding, but if you get married on a Hawkeye game day, I won't even be there. So, I mean, they're, they're die hard. He missed it for that, and that was the one game. So, Mark, I think everything that Broderick Ben said, though, is 100% right about that that season yeah. and, and yeah. the what came from that game. Yeah, absolutely. That that season, that whole season was just so weird. There's a lot of weird stuff that happened, but it all started yeah. there in that first week against uh, Northern Iowa. Yeah, that'll be in Saturday's uh, Des Moines Register. So, um, man, looking forward to reading that. Mark wow. always does a good job on these types of pieces. <laughs> what a weird game. Yeah. That's interesting. I mean, Mark's covered a lot of football. Weirdest ending he remembers too. What do we know about this you and I team? Well, they're 0 and 1. They've had a bye week since that game. Uh, they fell behind Montana, 26 nothing. And lost 26-23. Very strange uh, stat line if you look at. It. I mean, they they uh, the starting quarterback for you and I completed five of 20 passes for like 24 yards or something. It's bizarre. <laughs> and they have like a Southern Peterman. And he, yeah, you're right. So he was their starter all last year, uh, Eli Dunn. And uh, but now they have a quarterback controversy apparently. So Iowa doesn't know which guy is going to start. Uh, did ask Michael Ojemudi about that, and he's like. Uh, we don't really care who's the quarterback. We're just focusing on the, you know, run keys, receiver keys. We know the ball's going to be thrown at some point. So uh, Iowa's not too worried about whoever it is. But uh, I guess bottom line, my observation is this is not uh, this is not one of the better UNI teams that Iowa's going to face. But they are ranked, you know, in the FCS poll. Okay. It's, you know, they're not, you know, they're still decent. Um, so I think it, you know, you never know in this game. Mark, instead of trying to break down what we expect to see from you and I, let's talk about some things that we hope to see from the Hawkeyes. What do you, what sort of game plan do you think Hawkeye fans should be expecting on Saturday? Well, I would think that they're going to see something a little more wide open. I would assume Iowa wants to get that running game established early with Torn Young. I think probably be the starter again this week. I think it's safe to say. 
good chance for him, I think, to actually you know have maybe the best game of his career so far. But then, I mean, we saw Easley and Smith get their first catches of the season in that fourth quarter drive, so they each have one total for two games. I really think those two guys need to get involved and need to show something. I don't think Smith Marset needs to play in this game if he's not 100%, but those two guys, I mean, it's time. It's time for those guys to become weapons for Stanley, and I think that's what I was going to try to get established. Chad, same question. What do you expect to see from the Hawkeye game plan offensively? Yeah, they. Uh, Mark did a story on this yesterday, but I. They. I mean, when we were talking to T.J. Hawkinson, he he actually seemed angry. Now he disputed that word, but he. <laughs> they just seemed really frustrated. I mean, every offensive player we talked to, you could tell that they've been doing this in in practice and in camp and against Iowa's defense. You know, they're going against Iowa's defense in camp. So, um, I, that's why I still think it's going to hit at some point. But you're right. Uh, Easily he's got to become a bigger part of the offense. Now, I don't know if he's 100% um, yet, but uh, uh, Brandon Smith, uh, yeah, he said he is. Uh, Brandon Smith is, or he said he's fine. And then Brandon Smith, uh, I still look for him to maybe have one of those. He's had that breakthrough moment, and let's have that breakthrough game. And the other thing I wrote down here, haven't seen a 100-yard rusher yet this year. Um, Iowa you know, had to fight and claw just to get 100 as a team against Iowa State. I, I agree with Mark. I think Torrin Young has a good chance to be that that first mm. guy this year, and, that, and uh, I would prefer personally to sit Ivory Kelly Martin if he's anywhere close to being a borderline decision. Yeah, um, I, I feel the same way about Smith Marset. Yeah, you know, put, let, let both those guys stay off the field, get healthy for two weeks, and see if we can get some tools and weapons back out on the field against Wisconsin. And I'd echo everything that you guys said here. Seeing a passing game is not even necessarily what I would like to see. I'd like to see them work on something with those receivers. Even if you get Gronaway in there again and, and start stretching this out, find a dude that can be a possession receiver for you that you can rely because it looks to me like Fanton Hawkinson are more deep threats down the middle of the field than they are those underneath targets that tight ends traditionally are known for. So you've got to get a guy that can kind of fill that gap in behind him. And whether that – if without – Amir Smith-Marset in that mix. Maybe yeah. that's Kyle Gronaweg, but you're, you guys have both hit on the head. Easley and Smith have got to show up and be a part of this offense. Defensively, we should expect a dominant performance from this from this team. I mean, you, we saw the, a defensive front. We'll have Reese Morgan on in 10 minutes here with us. That should blow apart the UNI offensive line. Linebackers that were uh, better than expected. And cornerbacks, I'm not going to say they were better than expected because I tried to tell people this coaching staff has pulled some amazing talent out of that cornerback group the last couple of years. Yeah. As soon as they started shifting something around on the depth chart, I think they saw something. Maybe it's Hankins. So I, I think defensively you should expect another lockdown performance from this defense. Huh. It, we kind of brushed past this, these injuries, real quickly. Do you expect, I mean, health-wise, would Amir Smith-Marset and Ivory Kelly Martin be available, Chad? We'll see. Uh, I mean, they haven't. Uh, they said that neither one practiced Tuesday, and really yeah. went today was would have been their last full practice before the game because they take Thursdays off and kind of do walkthrough stuff on Friday. So, um, you know, if they haven't practiced this week, I'd be surprised. Um, now, maybe it's a situation like Christian Welch last week at linebacker where he was cleared to play but didn't play because uh, you know they started Jimon Colbert and he did fine. Yeah. If he, if if Colbert had you know. Uh, holding Amani Jones out there. Maybe, you know, Welch gets out there, but that's kind of what I see. And the other thing, I, I didn't get to jump in on the offense conversation. I'd like to see some first-half points 
<laughs> I think that would be a good yeah. starting. <laughs> That's good. Uh, they haven't scored in the first quarter yet. Good bar to set, Chad. Uh, no, no touchdowns in the first half this season, which is shocking. So I think uh, I think I need. I'm going to say I need to. See, I'm going to say I need to see three first half touchdowns. Uh, okay. Well. Let's say two touchdowns and a field goal. I'll say 17 Listen, points. I, I'm not. I'm That's okay with that. I think three first half touchdowns against you and I. You've got to show something here, and I'm not. Yeah, I don't think that's crazy to to want to see that. Jay. I mean, yeah, they gave up 26, I think, in the first half to Montana. So, um, yeah, Iowa should be able to move the ball on this team. Now, we'll probably get into some of our predictions later after Reese, but. There's got to be a letdown here of some kind. You've, you've spent a lot of emotion um, in that Iowa State game. You know you've got Wisconsin on deck. I don't care <laughs> how many times they ignored my questions about Wisconsin, but, uh, <laughs> you know, that's a total natural letdown spot. But the only thing I see um, maybe helping Iowa in that regard is the offense is so mad at itself yeah. for how it's performing. So they may, they may be pretty motivated to come out and make a statement. As far as that defense goes, Mark, right now ranking second in the nation in scoring defense at five points per game, fifth in total defense. You do have to consider that one of those uh, uh, opponents was Northern Illinois, and you know just not a Power Five opponent. How far are we from being able to say this is a, a dominant Iowa defense? How much more do we need to see? Uh, I need to see it in two weeks. Yeah. Wisconsin, the best offense they're going to face this year, and if they're able to shut them down, then absolutely you can say it. But until then. No, with, with whole judgment. I do think the defensive line can be elite. I was not sure about the defense as a whole. That's very fair. What do you think happens with linebacker this weekend, Mark? Do they stick with uh, um, Neiman, Hockaday, and uh, Colbert? I do. I think they look good last week. I think they like Colbert. Obviously, he's, a, he's got you know three years after this, potentially, to be a starter here. So uh, uh, He may have actually just beat Welch out for that spot. And uh, I, yeah, I think they stick with those three guys, at least to start. Yeah, Chad, I was really impressed with Jaimon Colbert. We've said that a couple times. Yeah. You, you think that's the rotation right now, or do they go with some sort of hot hand rotation? Well, I think they'll start with that, but I yeah. think uh, the I do think they want to see Imani, give Imani Jones another crack out there. I think they should give him another crack out there. You and I'd be a good spot to do it. Yeah, because that, this is a guy they believe in, they know is talented, and uh, I think would be it would benefit them if he could kind of get his mind right and be ready to be a more significant contributor. Hockaday's done a good job. Do we Have we gone this whole show without A.J. Epinesa talking? We have. We have okay. Well, I figured we have Reese Morgan coming yeah. up here in okay. a few moments. He's probably a guy that's got an opinion about A.J. Epinesa <laughs> and the performance that he pulled in. Uh, that was one of the things. You asked me off the air how sound off went. Yeah. And, you know, I, I was trying to encourage Hawkeye fans and, and talk about how deep this defensive front is. And I mentioned... You know, A.J. Epinesa, the amazing game he had and how dominant he looked. And remember, he's the third-best defensive end on this group. That was one of the – I actually got beat up a little bit for that. People okay. are like, what the hell are you talking about? Third-best defensive end on that group. But anyway, we'll see. I'm sure Reese Morgan feels the exact same about it. He'll probably tell us next. He'll he'll break it all down for us. We'll talk a lot about that defensive line and, uh, and talk to Coach Reese Morgan about what to expect from you and I. We'll see if he ignores Chad's questions about Wisconsin next here on 1460 KXNO. Everything you need to know about the Hawkeyes, it's Hawk Central with the Des Moines Register, powered by G-Mig's Fifth Street Pub on 1460 KXNO. Welcome back to Hawk Central here on 1460 KXNO. Got about 15 minutes left in the program here. And uh, something that we are really honored to be able to do is reach out to these Iowa coaches 
in season. This is not something that uh, we're normally allowed a lot of access to and honored to be joined by Reese Morgan. Heck of a week to be joined by you, Coach. Nice performance by that defensive front uh, well, on Saturday. Well, our entire defense played well, and we were we were just a small part of the whole thing, and, and uh, we're excited about uh, about the opportunity to go and compete and uh, you know give a chance to improve as well. Coaches, you've gone back and looked at Saturday's win over Iowa State. Is there something specific you saw that led to the success that defensive line had? I, I really, you know, after looking at the tape, you look at it, and there's so much on that tape that we can improve upon. Our technique, our you know, our fundamentals. Uh, so you know, really, we're 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 still we still have a long way to go. I think we've got a great group of young men, talented, hardworking, really care about each other. But but you know when you when you really analyze it and look at it from a subject objective standpoint, we certainly have work to do. But we're happy with the progress that we're making. Coach, uh, one of those guys uh, on your defensive line, AJ Epinesa, was named uh, Co Big Ten Defensive Player of the Week. Still just 19 years old. I wow. did my research. He turns 20 on Saturday, so uh, <laughs> that's the last time you get him as a teenager during a game. But uh, how how do you feel like uh, he's been able to turn all that hype that he had into? Uh, such dominant production well first of all i think everything starts with the his family i think he's grounded he has a very very close-knit family and then you know he, he he himself understands humility and with all the accolades he had during the recruiting process he still remained the same young man as he came and transitioned here you know, a lot of people were wondering, geez, is he going, how's he going to respond? How are the other guys going to respond to him? And it's all been extremely positive. In fact, he, you know, he, he hangs around with the guys. It's, it's, it's a very close group of young men. And, you know, he's, he's showing progress on the field, in the classroom, in every phase. Yeah, you brought something up that uh, A.J. talked about in the postgame, Reese, uh, about kind of that family feel of the defensive line. It's, it's almost... Uh, it's very impressive to hear him talk about how much he loves his teammates. Uh, you know, Parker Hesse, Anthony Nelson, Matt Nelson. And can you, he said he said it's the closest position group on the team. So maybe give me a sense of what you see from those guys, the bond that they share. Um, and obviously that seems to be helping him and, and impacting him and becoming the player he's become. Well, certainly. I, I think A.J. would, you know, it feels that way. But but I tell you what, it all starts with Coach Ferentz, you know, Hall of Fame coach, Hall of Fame person, our leader, who's who who is really an accessible guy, but yet a football coach with strong values and stuff. And he creates that whole family atmosphere within our program. And then within our room, we have some veteran guys that really care about the other guys, and they've been mentoring young guys their entire career because when they came in as young men, they had somebody on our football team that looked out for them and taught them and showed them. And when you get that kind of an atmosphere and environment in that room, it's really special. And these guys hang out together. They've traveled to weddings together. They, you know, they, they, they just have become a close group of young men. Coach, I need your help with something. I host one of these uh, stupid call-in shows where fans get to get to weigh in right after the game. We do instant reactions and all this stuff. The type of stuff you coaches would love to listen in on. I need your help with this. Last week, people were asking me why A.J. Epinesa isn't on the field even more than he is. He played 24 of those 56 official snaps. What goes into determining when and how much Epinesa is on the field? 
That's a great question. I, I think it goes back to, to practice. First of all, A.J. is improving. He's improving his knowledge, and we're excited about his pro- process progress that he's making and and learning and so forth. He has some exceptional skills, certainly pass rush ability uh, being one that really stands out. And I think as he grows and learns more, he's playing more and more and, and, and adding adding things. And we kind of say the sum of the uh, parts is greater than the, the whole the whole is greater than the sum of the part. That's not. It's the sum of the parts are the most important thing here at the University of Iowa. So our guys collectively, when they work together as a unit, can do some special things. And everybody has a role. Everybody has a role. And as you grow and develop, that role increases and so forth. And you know, some of these guys have been. You know, you look at a guy like Sam Brinks. He's been in the program four years, and he's finally had an opportunity to get on the field and do some things, and doing a great job. But in regards to AJ Epinesa, I think you'll continue to see more and more progress with AJ. You know, as a player and as a person. Yeah, I'm just curious. I mean, obviously he was incredibly effective with those 24 snaps. But uh, I mean, is there? Do you guys talk about the? You know, is there a point of diminishing return? Do you say? Do you, because obviously Hesse and Nelson are getting more snaps right. at this point. Right. Um, you know, would he be less effective if he had 38 snaps? You know what I mean? Well, is that I, something I you guys talk about? Yeah. That, that's that's radio talk stuff, and I think it's a great great conversation and so forth. You know, it makes a difference when you're out there and you're you know you've taken a few more snaps and a guy comes in that's fresh. But I think that's all all part of the whole thing. We're going to try to play more guys. It's been a positive thing for us. Uh, especially with up up tempo uh, offenses that we see, and uh, you know, I I think it's uh, you know I, I, I we ha- we have such a, a a group of guys that are selfless and really care more about the team than themselves, and and when you get guys like that in your room, it's just a it's a special group of young men. Guys, you kind of alluded to here, I think, but maybe mentioned specifically Matt Nelson. What has he meant to this team? Well, Matt Nelson, you know. He's a senior, and he's he's a selfless young man. He he came in as a defense, highly recruited. You know, had Notre Dame, Stanford, and Iowa. We were fortunate enough to have him make the cho- choice to come here. And you know, he played defensive end. Uh, we asked him to move inside and play defensive lineman. There are a lot of people that were skeptical. He had a fantastic year last year, and he's really having a great year right now. He took the MCADs in medical school on in uh, late June. Uh, is doing well. You know, he's he's going to be a doctor. And if I ever want needed surgery, I would want somebody like Matt Nelson, and specifically Matt Nelson, to do it because he's detail conscientious. He's like having a coach on the field. He really is, and and he's one of the many leaders we have in this room. We want to bring Mark Emmert in uh, with you, also, Coach Mark. I'm sure you've got some questions for Coach Morgan. Hi, Mark. Yeah, I just want... hi. How are you doing, Reese? Good. Good. I was just wondering, uh, one guy we didn't see much of on Saturday was Brady Reef. I'm just wondering, was there a reason why, uh, why he was kind of out of the rotation? Yeah, Brady had just come off a one-game suspension, came in, and, you know, you base everything on how guys do in practice and, and uh, you know, so forth. And, and uh, you know, we felt going into the game that there were other guys that had a better week of practice and were performing better in practice. Now this week, Brady has had a, a, an exceptional week and is really uh, improving and showing that kind of progress, just like at any other position. You know, it's 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 a matter of what you do every every week, and you know, every rep is being watched on tape. It's being evaluated. What you do in our building, our meetings, everything's being evaluated, and he's certainly showing showing some uh, real progress in that area. Coach, you had uh, uh, 
that previewing that Northern Illinois game, everybody was concerned about Sutton Smith. 14 tackles for loss against Utah. He had two against Iowa. You're a guy that actually helped recruit some of those offensive linemen that played a huge role in, in shutting him down. I know you're focused on that defensive line. Can you kind of give us a sense of pride from a coach's perspective about seeing guys that you first laid eyes on and brought into the program have success? Well, I, I think when you say you, it, it's a collective effort. I'm lucky enough to be able to recruit the state of Iowa. And, you know, going into that first game, I think all five of the starters on offense, as well as uh, four guys on defense, were all from the state. So, you know, if you're from the state of Iowa, you're certainly proud to have those young men that you know in your local communities and high schools representing the state of Iowa. And and we really have a great group of a great group of guys on offense. You really like the dynamics. I've you know, Coach Ferentz is a you know, offensive line guru, and then you've got Brian, who's coached there. Tim Palasek is doing a tremendous job of, of with those young men. You know, as as a coach, as a disciplinarian, as a guy that's going to get these guys to play extremely well. We see them each and every day, and and, and uh, boy, the progress that they're making is is really really good. And I think that the the defense, the offensive and defensive line complement each other because we're going against each other all the time. And you know, get going against an opponent gives you a little different perspective. But boy. You know, I, I we feel really good about the guys that we have, on, on, and all those kids that are from Iowa. You know, I've had the opportunity to to uh, get to meet them and their families during the recruiting process. Coach Reese Morgan joining us here on Hawk Central. Coach, we know that you and I not sure which quarterback you're going to be seeing on Saturday. How does that affect game preparations? And what is it that you see from you and I that uh, that could present a problem for the Hawkeyes? First of all, you have to prepare for both quarterbacks. You've seen them on tape, and they've both been extremely productive, very good athletes. First of all, you talk about University of Northern Iowa, one of the premier uh, programs in the country. Coach, what Coach Farling has done there over the last 17, 18 years are remarkable. He's really built that team, and he's done it with, with, with kids from Iowa and with his values. You know they're going to be extremely tough. They're going to be well-prepared. They're going to have a chip on their shoulder. This is a tremendous opportunity for them to get in front of a lot of people and show people their brand and what they can do. And we know that they're going to be play extremely hard. We know that they're going to be extremely well coached. They'll have a great plan, and uh, this is going to be an exciting time for them, and it's a really exciting time for us as well. Coach, I uh, wanted to ask one more question before we let you go. Um, you know, we don't get this opportunity that much to ask about the younger guys. Um, we did see Tyler Linderbaum uh, play a little bit in that opener. Um, can you tell us about maybe his development, also Noah Shannon, and uh, Davian Nixon, another guy that seems like he looked pretty good on Kids Day, obviously isn't playing this year. But uh, can you tell us what you're seeing from those guys and their development? Sure, sure. I'd, I'd be happy to. We, we've got some young guys coming in that we really feel good about. You'd mentioned Tyler. Tyler actually got on the field in the first game, you know, right out of Solon. I have done a great job, you know, and he's shown some progress. Uh, Davion Nixon is really uh, going to be a special young man. You know, in addition to being really a good football player, he, he is really uh, a fun young man to be around. He's great in our room, uh, full of energy. You know, uh, you, you really like being around him, and he's going to be, a, a, I think, a dynamic player for us. Noah Shannon, uh, he he is an excellent player, and he just keeps, seems to get better each and every day. You know, every day in practice, you see him show progress and improvement. And you know, he's you know those three guys inside are really going to provide a lot of uh, uh, you know some stoutness and some 
intensity uh, it, it, within the inside of our defense. And then John Wagner, boy, John has been a done a great job for us. He's come in here and and worked his tail off and and comes to work each and every day and 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 really works hard at it. You know, he's he's got a real positive attitude. You know, and then we've got Jack Hallenberger, Mark's brother, who transferred from. Uh, Iowa Central, and he's done a, an exceptional job as well. You know, he was a junior college kid that came in and and just became eligible here uh, this this year. So we're excited about him. In addition to that, we've got Austin Schulte. You know, obviously Garrett Jansen's been in the program and doing some real positive things. Brandon Simon's the young man that's starting to show some things. You know, and and then you've got uh, Dallas Jacobus, and uh, you know, you, so you, you like the chemistry of the room, and then obviously. You know, we've got uh, uh, Nate, Nate Nelson, Anthony's brother, and then Jake Morrison just joined us. And, and, and I tell you what, he's got some, some really good pass rush skills. Coach, thank you so much for giving us time this afternoon. We, we greatly appreciate it. Wonderful well, insight. You helped me out a lot with those Epinesa questions. Thanks, okay. Reese. <laughs> thank you very much. Appreciate the opportunity. Thank you, Reese. You bet. We'll talk to you soon, Coach. All right, Mark, let's try to get through some predictions here, what we think is going to happen on Saturday afternoon when the Hawks and you and I kick off. What, uh, what, what are you expecting, Mark? I, I think you're right. I think the offense is uh, looking to make a statement here, and I think Torn Young uh, has a big day, maybe 150 yards and a couple touchdowns. I've got uh, Iowa 35-7. It is the exact same score that I was thinking coming into this, mm-hmm. Chad. 35-7. to I think that this offense has to open up a little bit, and I've talked about it. You, you can get to Fanton Hawkinson and have those guys be big weapons. Mm-hmm. If you can break a, pl- a play with Torn Young, Brandon Smith, th- that's how you get to 35-7 here. Right, so you guys are both going 35-7. Yep. So I looked at my preseason picks. I had 45-10 Iowa. And uh, as you know, last week I switched my pick up. No, You're not. going you and I winning this thing, aren't you? He's doing 17, it. They're oh, going to win it 19-17. No, <laughs> just kidding. Um, here, you know, we've talked about let's get, uh, you know, let's get easily involved. Let's get Smith involved. Let's get Young involved. But to me, I'd like to see Noah Fant have a big game. So that's yeah, where I'm going with this prediction. Uh, he's, he's had a few drops this year. I think they really need to get his confidence going because he is – you know, we like to throw out tight end comparisons to Rob Gronkowski, but he is kind of that guy on the offense, that go-to receiver that Iowa needs to have in these big games. So I'd like to – I'm, I'm going to predict that he's going to have at least two touchdowns, and I'm going to dial it down a little bit on the offense, but I'm still going to go Hawkeyes 38-10, so we're all on the same page with margin of victory. I'm thinking four touchdowns for the offense, Mark, and you're going to get a lot of punts on Saturday. I think Kyle Gronaweg oh, might Gronaweg. get the chance to, to break oh. one of those. I, I looked at my preseason predictions. I did have a defensive touchdown for the Hawkeyes. So well, you know, in, in fantasy, well. it's defense special teams. Yeah, right. So it's all it's all the exactly. same. All right, fantastic stuff from Reese Morgan, man. That is uh, the stuff with AJ Epinesa was one of the big, Top topics, one of the big right? questions that we had on Sound Offs. That's yeah. uh, that's awesome to, to fill in those holes. Chad, thanks so much for coming down to El Bait Shop. I know I had to twist your arm to get you to come down to the world's greatest beer bar. Now your boss is telling you to try beers. Horrible job you got <laughs> out of this. Mark Emmert, thanks so much, man. We had a fun Wednesday again, buddy. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you, guys. Hopefully, we're talking about a 3-0 Hawkeye football team leading into Wisconsin on Hawk Central next week.